Hello, everybody, and welcome back to Eyes of the Mize. My name is John. That's Ian. It's a me. Um, bad Mario joke, whatever. Anyway, hi. Yes. It's me. <laughs> Today is January 16th. It is episode 110, where we're going to talk about the BNR announcement on the 21st of January. And also things we missed from Ravnica Allegiance, because there was two more days of previews and the full set unveil. And there's some spice in there, so we have yes, to talk about is. that. And we're talking about a couple of those. Uh, but before we get into that first, I'm going to turn our eyes to the community real quick. Uh, because the third Ravnica set's name was more or less revealed um, in the upcoming products page of Wizards, and it's called War of the Spark. Yeah, I was just calling it Untitled Ravnica War Set, which is, I mean, somewhat close. Basically, I, I mean... Let's be real. It's Infinity War. The magic's for, it's oh magic my god, yeah, it really War. is. <laughs> but <laughs> the at joke, the same time. Yeah, the joke has been made many times. People are like, oh my god, we're doing the trope thing again. Because, you know, magic players are want to get a little plainy. But yeah. it's No, but it, regardless, I'm looking forward to it. There could be some serious things to take away from this. In terms of implications on the story as a whole. Considering oh, what yeah. we know of... The Immortal Sun being basically something that locks a planeswalker to a plane. That could be the spark it's over. Who knows? It There's a lot of stuff. But I actually included it's, a card that's Vorthosi in our card that got unveiled in the full spoiler because it was just like uncommon. Yeah. Yeah. It's, that, that card's really interesting. I'm excited to talk about it. It's also like not a bad card. No, it really isn't. So I was like, all right, cool. Put this on the list. Yeah. Uh, but first, we'll turn our eyes to the community real fast. Um, big thing happening today, and I think for a little bit maybe tomorrow, is the um, RNA preview event, um, where streamers got to kind of go ahead and play uh, pre like Ravnica Legion Standard and Sealed, and it was awesome. Um, Basically, uh, a lot of their featured streamers, uh, if you stream yourself or are interested in starting to get streaming, you can actually apply to be one of their content creator thingies. I'm actually, I've had things happen, you know, life gets busy, gets crazy, but when I get the streams off the ground, I'm going to apply for it. So you might see me in those eventually, but basically they get God accounts. Mm -hmm. So they have full set of four full play sets of every card, enough gems to just go nuts on sealed events and stuff like that. So, mm-hmm. There's been some um, spicy decks that have, there have people been. are brewing um, with right now. And uh, the saddest of sad news, um, you know how we mentioned Rakdos Showstopper and ready for his uh, animation in Arena? It's literally just like a swipe. <laughs> yeah, he just shows up. <laughs> I, I saw, actually, you had mentioned, so John had mentioned it before, he's like, yeah, I don't really like Rakdos' things. I'm like, I don't know if I'm ever going to see it. And turns out Seth, better known as Saffron Olive, posted a video of where his entire board just got wiped. He's like his entire board of two creatures, but it yeah. was three. Yeah, but so. still, it was just like he's the, he lost the coin flips on all of them, and it's just like, well, nah, what do you do? But he enters the battlefield and kind of just like you see his scythe swipe, and then things blow up if you lose the coin flip for it. I mean, it's a kind of cool little effect in terms of like, hey, look, he swiped him away. But at the same time, it's like, that that's it. I really wish they had animated or given him a VO of his flavor text to where's, entertain me. Where's the spectacle? 
Yeah. The dude runs but, a circus, essentially. Basically. More or less. Give me P.T. Barnum in, like, demon form, please. <laughs> I don't think that's... Mm, anyway. This is the greatest show. <laughs> Anyways, let's go ahead and talk about some of the Ravnica Allegiance things we missed. Starting off with a card that had a lot of people kind of go a little crazy. Yeah, so Skewer the Critics absolutely has some critics, but whether or not it's because it's good or bad, it's because it's pretty nuts. John, what is it? It is a two and a red sorcery at uh, common, I believe. It is common. Um, that says deal three damage to any target. So it's a sorcery speed, lightning bolt, chain lightning, whatever you want to call it. Uh, but it says spectacle for a red. So if you manage to jump over the low, low hurdle of dealing damage to your opponent, then this is just a slow lightning bolt. So it's it's a slow lightning bolt, or you could also look at it as a painful rift bolt. It's essentially Something rift. Like that. It's essentially rift bolt. I'm mean, painful and like you got to deal damage to him, but yeah. it's it's a weird spin on rift bolt. I, I like, like if to, you're playing red. This is definitely like a fine hoop that you're willing to go through. Oh, absolutely. Um, like. It's just, I think it's more comparable to Rift Bolt than Lightning Bolt. That is because fair. Rift Bolt, you sometimes cast for three mana. Mm-hmm. It, um, so this, you could basically go turn one, suspend Rift Bolt, bring it off, suspend, hit Rift Bolt, then go boop, hit you in the face with Skewer the Critics. Yeah. It still counts. Um, but I, I mean, I put in the notes Popper Burn just absolutely is going to slam four of these in there. It, it's just unquestioned, just get in there. They have four more burn spells that they can that they have a lot of one mana burn options now. Yeah, they do. They have a lot of ways to hit people for just even one damage. Um, they don't play it, but you can pair it with gut shot. You're really jumping through hoops at that point, but yeah. Like if you need, if you really need it, you can, but it's not what you want to be doing. There's a thermo alchemist. Mm-hmm. Just they because that's deck plays thermo alchemist. Tap thermo alchemist. Ping your opponent for one. Then cast this off of spectacle, untap your thermal alchemist, hit him again for one. So you're looking at five damage for one mana. It sounds pretty much like, yeah, it's, it will see play for sure in pauper burn. Burn isn't very popular that much right now. We're going to talk about some of the pauper stuff later. Yeah. Uh, speaking oh, speaking of, of pauper, we, I did miss this in the eyes on the community. They announced that they're actually going to have a pauper PTQ. Yes. Or whatever the heck it's called. MC- I think they ha- MCQ? MCQ, like multiple chance qualifier or something. I don't know. Mythic championship have- qualifier. That could be it. Yeah. Yeah. Mythic, mythic, championship mythic championship qualifier. Cause that's what pro tours are called now. Mythic championships. Yes. So that's big news. Yeah. Popper tip. That's blowing my mind. Yeah. Popper it's it, it's the, uh, the first one will be at magic fest, Los Angeles. Yes. So, Hey, you can get on the pro tour by playing commons nowadays. That's great. Hey. Yeah. Uh, there are a lot of people who are already commenting. That's like I was going to play the main event, but now I could just play Popper instead. Yeah, I know. Uh, I'm going to be mentioning her later. Kendra Smith, uh, who yeah. does a great job with Popper, uh, she actually has already registered for the event. Um, so, yeah, there you go. Hopefully, some bans are in place that'll let her elf deck thrive. Uh, now modern burn is like we're basically at like 24 28 lightning bolts at this point in in the modern card pool yeah some of which are good some of which aren't as good like 
You can you can play shard volley. You probably don't want to though. This this absolutely would jump ahead of shard volley. Do you think? I think so too. I mean, I I just can't see shard volley being played with the downside. You have to blow up the land, right? Yeah, it's Sack of Mountain. Yeah, as I, an additional cost to cast. Yeah, sorry. This just there's wait. You said it. There's so many burn spells in this deck that are like one or two mana that this is going to be turned on for spectacle most of the time. Mm-hmm. Yeah, granted you have to play it at sorcery speed, but oh no. <laughs> yeah, you might actually you might essentially actually just be able to play a creatureless burn deck, although you still kind of want Goblin Guide. Oh no, you're definitely playing Goblin Guide and most likely Swift Spear. Yeah, I don't know if it's still. Oh, and you're absolutely playing Eidolon. Yeah, but regardless, like it'll be you know if you do strip it down to its bare essentials, it'll just be Goblin Guide and Eidolon, and just have fun. And then a bunch of burn spells. Yeah, yeah. that's true. So, but great card at common, like dang. Yeah, I I expected a spectacle bolt, but I didn't actually expect it to be spectacle costed this spectacle way. bolt. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So we have uh, one of our last one of the last split cards to get revealed. Yes, this was one that I put on there that was super exciting. It's repudiate and replicate. Uh, this is the simic rare split card, uh, and the repudiate side is a green hybrid, blue green hybrid, blue green hybrid for uh basically a stifle counter target activated or triggered ability literally stifle for one extra mana but it's hybrid yep um and then replicate is one blue green for a sorcery uh create a token that's a copy of target creature you control hey Uh, hey kids you you like eight quasi duplicate or now 12 quasi duplicates there you go yeah yeah like repudiate is already a decent effect to have on one half of a card um, and then replicate just gives you some extra bonus if you're playing kind of the big beefers like you should be in a in a simic style deck. Uh, I mean, I could just see like using repudiate to counter a planeswalker ultimate, and then or using replicate to make a copy of say I don't know Carnage Tyrant. Look, man, I loved disallowing the heck out of planeswalker ultimates. Yeah, back when that exactly. was legal. But this also, you know, I'm going to use the the phrase. EDH card, like if you're playing yes. blue and green and you're not putting this in your deck, what are you? It should be. What are you doing? <laughs> like this is just going to be like a nice. It's a flexible card. It's a one-sided clone. Well, it only hits your creatures, but you know you usually you're usually in the market for clones, or you counter someone's big stupid shenanigans with their commander or whatever it is. So yeah, it, it's gonna be it's gonna be pretty good, right? Like I mean, it's probably gonna it might see some other format play, but like put in your edh deck it's or it, i mean you know some decks are super tight and so you're not gonna do it but if you're brewing some jam it yeah. in there have fun especially if you're playing like a token style deck whoo mm-hmm. yeah seems decent so here's a card that got previewed late and oh boy this card is making waves uh i'm excited to see how badly i lose to this card in limited <laughs> and i really want someone to lose to it in standard i really want this it. card is though i is, don't think it's gonna happen it's gonna I be really wanted bananas though if this resolves against you so it's, it's yeah it's the rakdos mythic so it's captive audience it's five black and a red enchantment like i mentioned in mythic so captive audience enters the battlefield under the control of an opponent of your choice so from here on out, all of these things are going to basically apply to your opponent that this has been attached to. Mm-hmm. At the beginning of your upkeep, so if you're playing this, it'll be your opponent's upkeep. 
Choose one that hasn't been chosen. Your life total becomes four. Discard your hand. Each opponent creates five 2-2 black zombie creature tokens. That That's all bad stuff. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, like, hey, remember Demonic Pact? That was kind of fun. <laughs> Here yeah, you this go. Is the, this is the Demonic Pact without the lose the game option and without having to play donate as well. But like it literally card. it tacks the donate on top of it basically and then it's like yeah, here this, you go also that said this is an amazing card to or this would be a reason to put donate in your deck or harmless offering to then give it back to the person who played it on you oh my god that would be <laughs> weird no but what's really nice cool it's fun here's the art we got fibble fib fibble fib is in yeah. the art everyone's he's favorite the, he's just at the circus everyone's favorite homunculus he's like <gasps> he's got his hand over his mouth like oh my god <laughs> yeah just just the the art in that one is really really good. The oh, the yeah. varying expressions of people during the uh the Rakdos carnival pretty good. Oh, yeah. But no, that one is quite an interesting card, and yeah, absolutely gonna be you're gonna get it played against you. And be like, Ugh, you better pray you have some sort of way to remove an enchantment. Oh yeah. Uh, next is a card that you know everyone loves a mill deck, right? Yeah, I love mill decks. Yeah. So there's this card at Common called Persistent Petitioners. It is one in the blue for a 1-3 human advisor at Common. Uh, you can pay one and tap it, and target player puts the top card of their library into their graveyard. Sure. Uh, you can tap four untapped advisors you control to have target player put the top 12 cards of their library into their graveyard. Oh, and a deck can have any number of cards named Persistent Petitioners. It's Shadowborn Apostle slash Rat Colony. But yeah. for Mill... <laughs> There's going to be a lot of people who are going to be playing a lot of this card. It's not very good on its own, but if you pull it off, you do, you go. I, you did it. If you can pull this off in like a draft, you know, good on you, mate. Good on you. It's a common. So but I don't know what the right number is. Like, how many do you, do you really want? Do you want like eight? You need at least four <laughs> minimum. Yeah, then, but in order to make sure that you have the, you get to draw four, you have to probably get like eight. Yeah. Like, it's, I don't, I think these are what, there's some other advisors in the set, I think. I think there's one other advisor in the set. Yeah. And, and it's Tasa. Yeah. So, good luck. Yeah. <laughs> You're going to be playing luck. Esper. I look forward to running against it in Commander, where people will just play a million of those and then, like, Thrumming Stone. Oh, yeah. This actually caused a Thrumming Stone spike in terms of, of cost. Of course it did. Yeah, like, any kind of thing where it's like, hey, this card is busted with it, and it's something from, like, Cold Snap, where nobody ever opened that set. So if something yeah. ever gets good out of that, like, Mishra's Bauble for a while, it just goes through the roof until they reprint it. Yeah. And they're yeah. probably not going to reprint Thrumming Stone anytime soon. Yeah, outside of a Commander product, there's <laughs> really no reason to print that card. It's got Ripple. Let's just put it that way. Yeah, if it's, you don't know what Ripple is, you're you're better off. Yeah, it's a weird card. We're not like we're not even gonna like Yeah, just go yeah. look that one up. <laughs> yeah. Next <laughs> is a card that a lot of people have been playing in today in the uh, Allegiance beta, basically. Um, and uh, a lot of people are saying, you know, this card is very reminiscent of another card, and that this card is probably better than the card that compares most favorably to it, which is Young Pyromancer. So, Ian, what does Hero of Precinct 1 say? So, it's got better stats than Young PZ. So, it's a one and a white human warrior at rare. 
It's a 2-2, so it's a bear. Whenever you cast a multicolored spell, create a 1-1 white human creature token. So mm-hmm. in a set like Ravnica, where there is so many multicolored cards, eh, you might be triggering this a lot. Looking at standard right now, there's a lot of multicolor stuff being played. Uh, mainly John. So you were seeing this in what a lot of Mardu related decks. Yeah, I think there was like a couple of Aristocrats decks who were playing it. And the big thing to remember is that the hybrid cards count as multicolored. Yes. So let's say that you're playing like Depose, um, Deploy. You can just cast it for either side, and then you just get another one one on top of that. Uh, this is great with like integrity intervention with, with, which is the, you know, the, the combat trick plus, or the lightning helix. It's almost amazing in that area. Um, it just has so much going for it. And in this, in this arena, it's going to be doing a lot of powerful things. Now, the crazy thing is that this might also be good in older formats because young pyromancer is a multi-format all-star, you know, it's play, there's Mardu pyromancer and there's, you know. Uh, the VSL started up again on Tuesday, and one of the early decks was Pyromancer Control. You know, play your turn one young Pyromancer, and then all your free counter spells and draw spells just, you know, make a free 1 1, and then you just kill them really quickly. Um, the only question is, you know, what multicolored spells go well if you're trying to create a bunch of 1 1s? Um, no. And humans. You know. <laughs> Well, <laughs> humans doesn't always cast their humans. They sometimes just put them that, in the playoff ether vial. Yes, yeah, so it's. I was just joking because I mean they only yeah. have what for multicolored. It's uh uh so sin collector, meddling mage, reflector mage, and uh, mantis rider. I think that's it. They have a decent amount, but it. I don't think a bear that you have to actually start casting things granted it is a cast and not etb which is really nice yeah um because then i mean obviously spells can't etb now you know what the card that they're going to use with this card is in modern right what manamorphose because manamorphose is a multicolored card because it's green and red oh my god so if you haven't already gotten your manamorphoses you're like Four months too late because of Arclight Phoenix. Yeah, you're way late on that, my friends. (laughs) But this is a card that makes me really, really afraid that Wizards might look at Manamorphose and just go, we need to stop this. And because that's the one card that I don't want to get banned because then it makes Storm have to completely restart and figure out what the hell it's doing. Yeah. Uh, Finally enough, too, like I'm actually kind of sad because I had a chance to pick up a full playset of the Modern Masters Manamorphose, which objectively i think has better art but that's just my personal opinion Mm -hmm. um i could have picked up foils for that at 12 bucks right before like i was looking at foiling i was building uh what's it called is it blitz for pauper and i was like i'm gonna bling it out and pay 12 dollars for each copy of a playset of a uncommon slash common Mm. and it's like 35 bucks now (laughs) never i'm never buying foils of those i hope you got them before because i know you're fine i i did yeah good Smart man. I was smart. <laughs> but, so, uh, but yeah, Hero of Frinksy 1 is a card that people we're going to have to keep our eyes on because that card could be very, very good. It it could be great. It yeah. could just be middling. Um, I'm going to jump in. There's one I meant to put on here, but I didn't. Yeah. It's Cinder Vines. Oh, that card. Yeah. Yeah, F that card. Yeah. So Cinder Vines is a red and of green enchantment at rare. So whenever an opponent casts a non-creature spell... Cinder Vines deals one damage to that player. 
And then you can pay one and sacrifice Cinder Vines, destroy target artifact or enchantment. It deals two damage to that permanence controller. Now, you might not be sacking it a whole lot, but that is going to be a bananas card out of any deck that's red and green and standard. Yeah. Especially if they're playing it against an opponent who, oh, I don't know. They play, you know, I've seen some of them play the Immortal Sun for some reason. Yeah. They're playing Search for Azkanta. Or how about we go things like, uh, you know, any of the sagas that are currently seeing play, like Eldest Reborn, History of Benalia, um, Conclave Tribunal, Ixalan's Binding. Seal Away. Seal Away. Yeah, it's a great, um, it's a very good way for those red-green decks to get one of their beefers out from under. Like, Ixalan's Binding? Jeez. Like, they've locked at, like, nothing feels worse than, like, being stuck with two or three of, like, Someone Ixalan's binding a creature away, and then the next two turns just drawing the same of that. And you're just like, I literally can't interact with this. These are two dead cards. Yeah. Cinder Vines also, though, with those against those kind of decks that will be playing Ixalan's binding. Hey, that's a non-creature spell. They're gonna get hurt. So mm-hmm. if you're an aggro deck and can stick this through counter magic, oh my god. Yeah. Have fun, buddy. Have fun, blue eye control. Yeah, and then I'll, yeah, also it just punishes the blue white control player. Like dealing one is not as good as like say dealing two, like I love Great Revel does. But still, Cindervines is going to be very very annoying. Yeah, I already when this was previewed, <laughs> both again I'm gonna say Jordan and I both groaned knowing we're gonna probably lose to it or because of it at some point in Canadian Highlander with you, my yeah. fiance. <laughs> you 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 are. Yeah, the worst part is too is like destroy target artifact. It's that just like completely invalidates a bunch of the swords too, which is a pain. Well, swords are bad and you should feel bad. Look, anyways. look, I only run <laughs> Sophie, Sword of Fire and Ice, and, and GTA, but and and Batterskull. Yeah, okay. But Batterskull can bounce, so <laughs> get wrecked. Unless I tapped out. Anyway, let's go to the next yeah. card actually on the list. Yeah, next card is one that I'm definitely gonna try to find a place for in one of my commander decks and this also has a lot of people wondering, can this card see, like, modern play? It is Incubation Druid. One in a green for a rare elf druid. It's a 0-2. Uh, it has Adapt for it has adapt 3 for 3 GG. Uh, and it says, tap, add one mana of any type that a land you control could produce. If Incubation Druid has a plus a plus of counter on it, you add 3 mana of that type instead. So you get one counter on this. And suddenly Incubation Druid taps for three mana instead of whatever it would normally tap for. Oh, yeah. So what people are looking at or thinking about, and I think it, I don't know if it caused a minor spike in it, but they're looking at Lanawar Reborn, which is yep. a land that enters the battlefield tapped, but taps for a green and enters with a plus one, plus one counter on it and has graft, meaning mm-hmm. you play a creature, you can choose whether or not to move that counter onto that creature that enters the battlefield. So you go turn one land while reborn with the graft, untap, play land, play incubation druid, graft the counter onto incubation druid, and then all of a sudden you're at six mana on turn three. Or you play, go like land noble hierarch next turn. You play graft. You play land reborn as your land for turn. Then play incubation druid. That so then you have one two three four five six mana, and then on turn three you have seven mana. Yeah, it's ooh. yeah. It, it's it can get out of hand. It's going to be a kill on site target for a lot of people yeah i mean it's now keep in mind now, it, it does restrict you to 
a mana of a land you could produce. So if you're color hosed, it will not help you fix it. Yeah, that that is unfortunately true. Now, another thing where I think this may see be more bit more relevant in standard. Um, be, okay, being an O2 is very fragile, but being a three five, if you manage to adapt it, that's a pretty good stat line in and of itself. Yeah, it's a late game mana sink for sure with a lot of things, especially like I don't know how well much I'd want this in like in draft. This is definitely not a first pick. Mm, probably not. Like I wouldn't. It's it's great with Hydroid Crisis. Yeah, I well, I wouldn't draft this first pick, but if like this comes around like pack f- or pick four or something like that, and I'm already in a green strategy, like yeah, get on in. Yeah, it's definitely going to be very very powerful. If, and- yeah, if you want to go just ham on a counter strategy, just pick this up. There. Yeah. And also, mana dorks are fine. Oh yeah, absolutely. Um, it's a two mana mana dork. We've seen it before. Yeah. It works. It does good work. Mm-hmm. So this card was one that you put on there, yeah. which has some really spooky implications as far as um, storyline stuff is concerned. So the card let's, is let's, just a cars portal. Let's talk about the card first, then we'll talk about the story yeah. implications behind that real quick. So yeah. just a cars portal is a common. It's a one in a white instant. That reads, exile target creature you control. Then return that card to the battlefield under its owner's control. It gains first strike until end of turn. Now, there are actually a couple spells that were unveiled in this set that actually like let you steal creatures. You also have active treason that's in the set and a couple other things that would be like, I'm going to steal your creature and this will return it back to your side of the battlefield. That's cool. Also, you, it gives pseudo vigilance. You swing with a creature. Your opponent thinks, "Okay, maybe I have lethal." They just miscounted. Cool, whatever. And you flicker it. It returns with first strike and can take out their opponent, like their biggest creature, or it gives you mm. good blocks. So, what do you think about it? Like, basically, is that what you think too, John? Pretty much. I mean, being able to give um, first strike is really interesting now unfortunately it's an exile target creature you control and then return it to its owner's control so you can't steal one of your oh creatures back. right yeah um but it is very very powerful and like even if you have a middling sized creature like a three power or four power creature this basically just turns into a you know destroy target attacking or blocking creature yeah well it's like i guess you could do this in response to someone targeting it yeah exactly and then again, like it untaps it, so you have all, you have that going for you. It's just very, very good, is the thing. Yeah. So it so it's not like you know there's there's a bunch of commons and uncommons that are going to be in this kind of vein, but there's a reason why I put this on there. And like I mentioned earlier, Vorthosi reasons, so story related reasons. The picture of the card is a kind of white crackling portal. So if you like Stargate, it looks like a Stargate, except white instead of blue. And stepping mm-hmm. through it is an Azorius soldier. It's a portal yeah. that can transport something technically. And the yeah. flavor text says, with new Guildmaster's innovations, arresters can arrive on the scene moments before a crime is committed. So there's a lot of implications just in that in that one sentence. One is we saw this with precognitive perception, where the Azorius in the past did have kind of precog minority report style st- Stuff and magics that were being worked on that were kind of shelved and put away. Mm-hmm. But as soon as Dove and Bond realized, hey, you guys have this here, get the mothball, get it out of mothballs. We're working on this hardcore because, like, pre- the 
text on uh, flavor text on precognitive perception says to control the present we must master the future they're looking to look ahead yeah and if they can know where to be and transport people around the plane that's pretty powerful now the further implications on this are hey dovin bond literally just created a inner inner plane or portal that can move organic matter yeah the plane pretty scary the planar portal that Tezzeret was working on on uh Kaladesh, on Kaladesh yeah. can't move organic matter. That's oh. why we had the Eternals. Mm-hmm. There's very bad implications there. Um so this might allow so we all know also that the immortal sun is being moved most likely to Ravnica, which is gonna planes lock the planeswalkers down to there most likely. This is a good way for a planeswalker to hop around. Yes. Without being able to planeswalk on the plane. So, yeah, there's a lot going on story-wise with just this common. So I I love it that they can just shove that much kind of story implication into a card like that. Just on flavor yeah. text and art. Like, not even like what the card does. Just flavor text and art alone. Yeah. Imp- and again, what the card to- does also plays into what it's kind of about. Yeah, it's like, hey, look, I just showed up out of nowhere. Gotcha. So I, it's going to be a combat trick to look out for if your opponent makes a weird attack and has then leaves one in a white open. Just be ready for that at your pre-release, which is also this weekend. It, yes, it is. Now, moving on to the more fun, fun. He's using heavy part. air quotes, kids. Heavy air quotes, because nothing gets people riled up more than BNR announcements. Um. And again, the banner sector announcements happens basically like every two months at this point or quarterly abouts. Yeah, thereabouts. Um, yeah. Uh, for all the magic formats that Wizards of the Coast has purview over, like they don't run the commander ban list as an example. Now, uh, no one is expecting a standard ban, although I'm totally on ch- on team hashtag free for Ossadon. I am. Um, I am absolutely against hashtag free for Ossadon. <laughs> keep that bad boy under wraps anyways so the big formats are obviously modern legacy and then it's because of the popper mcq on in gp or at Ma- magic fest la popper is going to be a discussion point and then also vintage maybe because again the vsl just started up this past week so uh, I don't know enough about Vintage to know if anything needs to get restricted in that format, although I have heard people who play that format say they want paradoxical outcome restricted. Sure. So I was I was watching some of the uh, actual, some of the, it's not pre-roll, because that's not what the word for it is, but the intro segment, you know, it was uh, Rich Shea and Randy Bueller talking about how the metagame for this particular week, there's there wasn't really anybody bringing shops. Uh, yeah. mentor decks seem to be on the rise uh, you don't really get a whole lot of thing out of the uh, metagame but they're talking about Xerox decks yeah. Xerox has become the big thing mm-hmm. now John what's Xerox real quick Xerox is basically um, having a predominance of one mana or e- cheap cantrips that help you flip through your deck and it basically, the, the the de facto Xerox deck is Delver. You land a cheap threat, use cheap cantrips to find cheap permission, and then use that permission to keep your opponent out of the game. So, for instance, there's a, a blue-red Xerox deck that was doing 6-0 the Vintage Challenge 
uh, over the New Year's weekend. Like some Snapcaster Mages, Young Pyromancer, Dak Faden, Jason Mind Sculptor, and then it's running other power. But it's got Bolt, Misstep, Ponder, Preordain, Ancient Grudge, Days, Time Walk, Force, Gush, Dig Through Time, Treasure Cruise. Yeah, it, it's just one of those kind of like everything that cantrips will get you, it, it'll at least replace itself and some, or dig you further through your deck to find what you want. You get card selection or card draw out of everything in the deck or just burn in the case of Lightning Bolt. So, yeah. And remember that Vintage is a format where Brainstorm and Ponder, I believe, are both restricted. I believe so because preordains the main cantrip of choice and vintage, but regardless, um, yeah, but paradox Xerox is just a strategy that happens when formats get powerful enough. Um, for example, back when there was the big call for death shadow to get banned, which kind of looks funny now, um, it was because of it being basically a turbo Xerox deck. You land a cheap threat, and then you use cheap permission to interact with it. Yeah, or and the cheap card draw in this case, Thought Scour technically acted as the card draw because you would use that to basically put three lands in your graveyard which and draw a card, then hope to stick a Gurmag Angler for cheaper because you essentially used a Black Lotus for a Gurmag Angler. Yeah. Like, that's what Thought Scour equaled. So you were getting that kind of power level of stuff. Everyone's saying, like, it was... At the time, it was everyone's like, oh my god, it's a vintage, or not vintage, legacy deck in, in modern, what's going on? But yeah. yeah, Paradoxical Storm can do some really broken stuff. Shops decks, it's probably going to rotate week to week out. We won't. I don't think we'll see anything for vintage. If, if we do, yeah. it'll probably be Paradoxical Outcome. That said, I don't think it'll happen. Yeah, we, did so, we just don't know enough about the format. Yeah, so John and I were basically covering Modern Legacy and Pauper. Yeah. Hey, because like I said, Standard... Really, there's only one thing in standard that even really matters at this point. Standard unbanned for us. To be fair, uh, this past standard that we had, doing a quick little look back on it, was actually really good. Yes, it was probably one of the better standard formats we've had in years. Oh yes, like people loved Kanza Tarkir standard, but they got sick of Siege Rhino. Yeah, people love Guilds of Ravnica standard. But there's no one boogeyman that you can point to. Teferi. There's no, like, I'm sick of Niv-Mizzet. I'm sick of Carnage Tyrant. I'm sick of Teferi. There's no one card that the entire community has rallied behind and said, I'm sick of this card. Like, Even Chain Whirler. At first it was Experimental Frenzy. Even then it Chain was Whirler just, was like, okay, yeah. whatever. It's Chain Whirler. No big deal. Yeah. Like, so it's going to be interesting to see what stan- where Standard goes from here. But they're not going to change anything with Standard with the new set coming out. Um, Legacy. Probably no changes. So I'm I'm been digging into a lot of legacy deck lists, a lot of legacy metagames lately because I'm going to be the legacy seat in at SCG Baltimore for my team. But I'm still looking on deciding on a deck. I haven't settled. I have three choices right now. Is it Phoenix? Is actually a deck that is putting up some okay results. It's not the greatest, but I could also flip Grixis Delver if I wanted to. Grixis Phoenix just seems kind of fun. If I were to go yeah. that Grixis route, um, it's done some done some work. In fact, is it's in a weird spot where metagame wise online, a lot more people like playing the decks that just it fold. We like in fact folds to a lot of decks that people play online, like the prison decks, lands decks, and stuff like that. Um, I played a four game league. I won a game and then lost three games to a lone pox a lone deck that was running punishing fire. Then it was a prison deck that was running Punishing Fire. 
and then it was a mono red rabble red goblins playing the uh the mentor goblin the the Ooh, legion war boss. yeah legion war boss was there yeah so they they went rabble master and then legion war boss and i'm like good lord but that was also playing punishing fire for some reason i'm like i just i can't literally just can't <laughs> like what is what is this but so and then the other one is burn just because it's burn yeah. it's cheap i have it whatever um it's a very stable like just looking at the metagame nothing's really breaking six percent of the meta share and everything that is is five percent so grix's control grix's delver stone blade sneak and show death and taxes miracles uh ad nauseum tendrils elves death shadow uh reanimator your lands decks those are all like showing anywhere from six to five like three percent of the thing so it's a very flat curve it's a very flat not a huge spike curve on this one so i like and this is all because of the death right shaman ban so Mm -hmm. it actually really settled the format out leovold disappeared overnight because obviously you were playing green to just break leovold and also drs so it's uh it's not bad right now so yeah i don't see anything i would be i would honestly be shocked if they did anything to legacy at this point yeah so um let's get to the big formats the formats that have everybody talking do you want to do, which one do you want to do first uh i want to do modern first because i like ranting let's do that because 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 <laughs> you cause, can rant on pop well, to be fair i'll rant on modern well, i want it we'll, we'll devote more time to modern because that's the more popular format and pauper i can yeah. easily cover and also redirect yeah. people to an amazing article but anyway john yeah. so, so modern What's going on with so, that? So, uh, lesson number one: they're never unbanning Splinter Twin. Stop asking. Oh my god! Oh, brief aside: there was a spicy article, uh, popcorn-inducing article on Channel Fireball the other day that was saying, "Well, yep. we need to have it unbanned." Um, as much as I'm in hashtag unbanned or free Splinter Twin, yeah, it's not happening. The card, the the deck is bad. Well, the deck is too good. Ergo, it's bad. It's bad for modern because it's going to stifle the diversity of the format. It's going to force everyone to try to play by the turn four in your dead rule. Because if you played around the combo, you died to the control plan. And if you played around the control plan, you died to the combo. There, it's You just get put into a lose-lose position when you're playing against Splinter Twin. It is not a fair deck. It is not fun to play against. They are not unbanning Splinter Twin. Stop trying to make fetch happen. But, Second but lesson. Fetch is instant. Well, never mind. <laughs> anyway, no, I get Second lesson. John going. <laughs> the big uh the big one is KCI, Clark Clan Ironworks. That's been the one that said the big targets on its head. It's the one we've kept. And its recent success at the GPs has made it kind of priority numero uno in many players' minds. It's the one we talk about every single time this comes up. Yeah. Now there's a bunch of other cards that are kind of that people have people on their kind of quote unquote watch list. Uh, well, actually, card let's, that- let's, let's just a brief aside to, to, to give the idea of like what the success it had. So Grand Prix Oakland, which was the fifth and the sixth, so the first weekend of January, of the top eight, four of those were Clark Clan Ironworks decks. Four mm-hmm. of the top eight of the event, kind of crazy. Mm-hmm. Of course, yeah. Matt. Of course, Matt Nass was one of them because the dude literally, the dude cannot lose. He has posted one of the best modern win percentages at a modern event like in gps period at since car clan ironworks got busted yeah like the dude is like over 75 percent win rate 
I want to say it's like an 86 or something. Yeah, it was it was like high 70s, low 80s on the win percentage with that deck. Like the dude just can't like he's as long as Kark Clan Ironworks exists in modern and there is a modern GP, Matthew Nass is almost a it was it's a surprise if he doesn't make the top eight. Yeah, basically at this point. Um one of the cards that has a lot of people that a lot of people were watching is Ancient Stirrings. Uh, because Ancient Stirrings is A, a big part of KCI, but it's also a major player in Tron and Hardened Scales. And the big argument about banning Ancient Stirrings is kind of this argument of, okay, so you banned Ponder and you banned Preordain because they were too good. But here's a green card that does what they do better with a deck building restriction that's not that hard. Also, it's played in Amulet Titan too. Yeah, it's also been Amulet Titan for whatever reason it is. Like, like the card's very, very good. Um, I think that while banning Ancient Stirrings would be something that I could see them doing, I think they're more likely just to ban Kark Clan Ironworks and get that deck out of here because it is a miserable play experience to play against. Because while, sure, they can generate loops, their kills are not necessarily deterministic. Uh, you know, brother, they can start brother, a combo do you chain. have some loops? <laughs> yeah. They have a combo chain, but they don't necessarily know if they're going to win yet. Um, now, at some point, you know, it's going to be a foregone conclusion that they can win, but they do need to assemble the right pieces in order to do so. Yeah, there are there are uh, also deterministic board states. People have done – they've crunched the numbers on this because it's such a deck where it's like we need to figure out what to do with it in terms of yeah. interacting. There are certain board states where you li- you literally cannot interact with it in a way that – that's meaningful. Yeah, they're, they'll be able to at least do some of the... They'll be able... If you're trying to pop something, they'll exile their graveyard. They can at least participate or do some of the loop that will get enough stuff back to their hand that they'll just be like, all right, cool, that resolves. Now let me go off again. Exactly. Now, um, the other cards that people have been clamoring for to get banned, one of them is also in the KCI camp, which is Mox Opal. Uh, it is the most busted mana producer in mod legal and modern right now uh again because it's because it has you know tap for amanda if you have metalcraft and it itself being an artifact the loop to jump through to make it or the hoop to jump through to make it you know tap for mana is very very low in a format where we have all these chromatic stars chromatic spheres pyrite spell bombs you know yeah all these other really cheap artifacts because it also enables hardened scales, enables KCI, it enables uh, Lantern, oh. Grixis Word, and just enables Old a lot of school affinity. Yeah, it enables a lot of crazy mana production that I know Wizards likes to see in the format, but a lot of people are just kind of tired of seeing it all the time. Yeah, because artifacts decks appear to be broken most of the time. Yeah, and if you remember us talking about the last BNR that came out right bef- in the uh, the fall, this is a lot of the same. The usual suspects, like at this point in modern, we're at the same usual suspects right now of KCI, Ancient Stirrings, Mox, Opal. Those are the three main targets that people are like, is this worthy of a ban yet? Mox Opal more so for a longer time than KCI, but KCI has become, like John said, the boogeyman of the format. Now, the other card that a lot of people have been mentioning is Faithless Looting. Oh, right. Yes. Because A, Faithless Looting is a mistake. Because (laughs) it is. Because red's not supposed to get looting. It's supposed to get rummaging. You know, discard, then draw a card. Now, granted, if Faithless Looting was its same cost, you know, red to cast, two and a red to flash back, and it was discard two, then draw two, it'd arguably be more powerful. Now, now because you, you can also kind of argue the fact that Faithless Looting puts you down a card, too, technically, yes. because you're playing Faithless Looting, so that's one card. 
you're drawing two and then discarding two, so you're at net negative one card. However, mm-hmm. welcome to decks where the graveyard is a part of your hand. Yeah, like it's played in Hollow One, it's played in Arclight Phoenix, it's played in Dredge, it's played in basically every deck Grixis, that cares about yeah, Death Shadow. That cares about it. card velocity, not like card velocity and where your hand size doesn't actually matter and where your graveyard is a very powerful resource. Yeah. Remember, remember, remember what I said about Thought Scour as being essentially like I said Mox or I said uh, Black Lotus. It's it's more of a dark ritual. Mm-hmm. Faithless Looting and Thought Scour are dark rituals for Gurmag Angler. Now I wouldn't I wouldn't hate a Faithless Looting banning. Um, that said, I don't expect it. Of the four that we've mentioned, it is by far number four. Yeah. So I think that depending on what Wizards wants to do, they're either going to ban KCI, just get that deck out of the format. They're going to ban Ancient Stirrings, which is going to nerf a lot of different decks in very different ways. It's probably going to cause um, Tron to just rethink a lot of its strategy. We might yeah. we might see Tron move away from Strictly Mono Green and back to Green X. It might be Green Black. It might be Green Red. I don't think it's going to move back to blue-white, just off of Ancient Stirrings going away. Now, the other thing is that there is also room for unbannings. They're not unbanning Splinter Twin. Correct. The card that I think is most likely to get unbanned is Stoneforge Mystic. Correct. Because we've now had a year plus of Jason the Mind Sculptor and Blood Bright Elf, and they've been fine. Why not let Stoneforge come out and play with the rest now, of us? Now, let's talk about a card that just disappeared completely. Bloodbraid Elf, jeez. Everyone was trying to... I mean, it's, everyone was it's, trying to, it's still played in Jund. It's still played in, like, Ponza, but it's not ubiquitous yeah, anymore. People, Same with Jace. Jace isn't ubiquitous anymore. Yeah, Jace... Like, Bloodbraid Elf, even in a lot of Jund lists, is like a three of. Jace is two or three of at best in the Blue-Eye Control decks. Like, it just so happened that these blue-white control decks got Teferi as well as Jace at the same time. And Teferi's just better. Jeskai Control doesn't even basically run Jace these days. Like, it's on Teferi only. Yeah. Um, Azorius Control is running three of the bad boys. It's a 3-2 three, three, yeah. split Jace-Teferi. Sometimes, depending on the player who preference, they'll flip them back and forth. But And then I've even, know, I've, I've even seen blue-white decks where they only play Teferi and they don't play any Jaces. Like... It's very much a pilot's choice type of thing in that regard. Yeah. So, it, and initially, when modern was first created, I definitely think that Jace was being banned was the right thing. I wasn't around at the time, but like they were still coming off the cobblade gun shy days of like, oh my god, that format was busted. Like they that was also the modern format that had Bitter Blossom banned. It had Wild Nakato banned. Yeah, a lot of a lot of things were like, all right, this was bad and standard. Yeah, but modern as more cards have been printed they've become fine. Uh, yeah. I can see Stoneforge Mystic being banned. Now, I, I do want to actually touch briefly on this. Uh, there was, has been a Reddit post uh, in the Modern Magic thing I that has said, KCI banned and Stone, Stone, Stoneforge Mystic unbanned on Mikko Beta. Did anybody else notice this? Now, this was made as of recording. So right now it is currently 10.42 p.m. on 16 January and it's Eastern Time. It was four hours ago. However, the Mikko beta ended on the 15th. Yeah. So everyone is calling Photoshop on it. This would have been big news the minute the beta was out. Yeah. 
also what we would have noticed if people were, you know, trying to keep it hush hush, kind of like, don't, don't say it. We would have noticed an MCG finance side of this where Stoneforge Mystic would have spiked again. Stoneforge Mystic has not spiked yet. It's down at back at $25, which is still way more pricier than its last jump that when the July spike where uh, July 2018, everyone, everyone was like, was oh my God, it's going to get unbanned. It didn't. Um, that jumped up from $24 to like 50 and then it's crashed back down to earth to 25 So we haven't seen a buyout. There hasn't been any kind of spike. The last time was pure speculation. This time people are playing it closer to the vest. If they're specking on it, they they have their specs and they're holding on to it. Cool. So that's another thing. But we would have absolutely seen movement on this card in the finance realm had that actually been a thing. I, I tried logging in. I'm like, why can't I log in? Someone's like, oh, it's the 15th. I'm like, right. I should have read the title of the email that I have because I have, disclaimer, I have a Magic Online beta account. I use it occasionally. I don't use it for specking or anything like that. I noticed the I use it to verify the uh, Summer Bloom twin banning back in the day. Didn't take any actions on those because I'm not here to exploit that kind of thing. I was just doing it for my own yeah. personal edification to be like, is this really a thing? The fact that this came out the day after the beta client went offline is, is incredibly fishy and a huge red flag that it's most likely a Photoshop. So that said, yeah. the, the picture anyway has already actually been removed so nice yeah, it doesn't even link there anymore but it was basically of somebody doing a band band test they made a deck in modern that in their like you can make one on magic online to put all the bandless cards into this deck to see okay which one is legal in the format which one's not legal in the format and they had a thing hovering over uh KCI saying not legal in this format and stoneforge mystic didn't have a black bar around or had a black bar saying it was legal in the format so it's highly fishy i don't trust it at all yeah don't no. don't look into that but my my guess is so that said my guess is uh there's going to be no unbannings in modern if there is something banned kci now, i would not be surprised the, if ancient turn gets banned now the card that i want unbanned because if ancient stirrings is allowed to exist then let me have preordain and that's blue scry two draw card yes which yeah i can see that potentially but i think wizards modern wise is a little gun shy on blue cantrips. Well, they definitely are and they definitely should blue be can blue cantrips are a little yeah they can be but just just let me have this it'll be yeah, fine we'll see but that's Moving that's where we're at. So to Popper. A quick, so a quick we're going to touch on popper really quickly because i could go on for a while on this one but i will let Again, mentioning Kendra, uh, who is at Maver the Maverick Gal on Twitter. Uh, she plays a lot of elves and used to play Maverick in Legacy, where her got her username for. But she wrote an absolutely incredible article on Cool Stuff Inc. this week called Shaking the Pillars, where she talks about the three main pillars currently of the Popper format, which is Delver decks, Boros Monarch, Monarch based decks, so essentially Boros Monarch and Tron. So she looked at okay, if we need to essentially... So right now, the boogeyman in the format is Foil Gush. Um, one of the things that happened is essentially once Foil became in the format... I'm trying to find the percentages here. There it is right there. So essentially, looking at the top eights... Of the, this is from her article. Looking at the top eights of the, of the Ultimate Master season, it's worth noting that of the 48 decks... 
18 were Demir Gush based decks, 14 were a Boros variant, and there was a single Izzet Delver and a uh, Tireless Tribe inside out combo deck. 34 of the 48 decks, basically 70%, are just those two main pillars. So it warps the, the top tier bracket, warps the lower tier bracket. People have to adjust their things for it. So she made a case for banning Gush, Ghostly Flicker, and the Monarch mechanic as a whole. Now, granted, there are only really three cards. Palace Sentinels, Thorn of the Black Rose, Entourage of Trest that grant the Monarch in Pauper. Mm-hmm. Honestly, I want Gush gone. Um, I love the I've loved playing Gush with Is It Blitz, but that card just needs to get the heck out of here. Kendra does a way better job explaining it. I'm not going to waste extra breath on stuff that she has done an amazing job. Also, I want to give a shout out to Alex Ullman, Nerd to the Core, who does amazing pauper write-ups. And also the guys over, over at Color Commentary that I've talked about a little bit too. Mm-hmm. Those guys, they all, all the three of those pauper people can talk about way better than I can. I have not touched the format in a while because honestly, I just don't like where it's at. My Tron deck, just I don't want to have to warp it. And I'm just like, all right, whatever. I'll wait for the, the format to adjust where Tron's actually decent to come back to it. Plus, I haven't had much reason to play Popper. But so I can I can speak for the Monarch Mechanic and uh, Ghostly Flicker a little better. Monarch Mechanic, again, that is the thing where you get an emblem where on your beginning of your end step, you draw a card if you have the emblem. Uh, if you deal damage to an opponent or combat damage to an opponent, then you become the Monarch. Palace Sentinels is a 2-4 for 3 and a white. Then when it enters the battlefield, you become the Monarch. There's Thorn of the Black Rose, 3 and a black, 1-3 with Death Touch, that you become the Monarch. And Entourage of Trest, Entourage of Trest is 4 and a green, 4-4. Four, four. When it enters the battlefield, you become the Monarch. It can block additional creature each combat as long as you're the Monarch. Now, argument can be made that Palace Sentinels and Thorn of the Black Rose get, got rid of. She makes his argument too. Then Dex would switch to Entourage of Trest just to have the Monarch. And basically the decks look to gum up the ground, prevent you with fog effects from dealing any kind of damage or any of that sort so you don't ever have to hand the monarch over. It's a way to, for white decks to get card advantage. It's ridiculous. I'm perfectly fine with that going. Basically, they would revert back to the Kodolfa Boros or Boros Bully, which she says is the, or which is the, one of the newer archetypes where it's just a bunch of smaller aggro deck, essentially. Um, and the Kodotha Boros is kind of an artifact-based red-white uh, red, deck. Ghostly Flicker, yep. I love this card. However, she makes amazing points that since we've had Dinrovahor in the format, it, it gives Tron such an extra weird angle of attack that it honestly shouldn't have. Morositron is a great deck on its own without Ghostly Flicker. I played that for such a long time without using Flicker that... I can honestly say Tron will be okay without Flicker existing in the format. Uh, you get just the utterly insane mnemonic wall loops. Uh, I've played against people playing Blue-White Tron, where Stonehorn Dignitary, which is a 3 and a white 1-4, uh, common from M12, Rhino Soldier. When it enters the battlefield, target opponent skips his or her next combat phase. I had a Ulamog's Crusher, which has to attack each turn if able, 8-8 eight, eight, and later 2 on the battlefield for i kid you not nine turns where it never attacked because my opponent was able to mnemonic wall stonehorn dignitary loop it to the point where by the way those dignitary skips their next combat phases stacks so if you're able to loop it three times you can three times a turn you can be like loop 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 
loop, 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 you have nine turns where you can't attack. It's disgusting, and it does not promote good magic. So if you do that, if you're able to literally just be like, look, I can literally lock you out of combat for the rest of time until one of us decks each other, it's just not good magic. So Ghostly Flicker is absolutely a good thing. It was also paired with like some of the other busted cards in the past, like Peregrine Drake, Cloud of Fairies, let you untap lands. So you can basically go mana positive on them. Uh, there's another card called Displace from uh, Eldritch, Eldritch Moon. Two and a blue instant exile up to two target creatures you control, then return those cards to the battlefield under the owner's control. So it's the same mana cost as Ghostly Flicker, but Ghostly Flicker can hit artifacts, creatures, and or lands, which is way more powerful in a deck where you can use it with Prophetic Prism to get card draw. You can use it with the gain lands to gain life, Bajuka Bog for graveyard hate. Serrated Arrows is a fun one to do to pick off Delver decks because after Serrated Arrows, it's a four mana artifact from way back in the day. Enters with three arrowheads on it at the beginning of your upkeep. If there are no arrowhead counters on serrated arrows, you sacrifice it. But you can tap to remove an arrowhead counter and put a minus one, minus one counter on target creature. Great way to pick off Delvers, all the fairies in that deck. You just tap it and then you wait, start chunking counters on it. And when you remove the last counter, flicker it, get three more arrowhead counters on it. It's just dumb. I am perfectly fine as much as I would love to keep that because I love me some flicker loops. I'm fine with I'm fine with literally all three of those going. Um I think it would we absolutely should see a gush ban. I would uh the it, the reason why Kendra makes those each one of the main three pillars of the format needing a ban is because if you take just gush out of the Delver decks, then the Boros decks or the Tron decks might become a little more overpowered, might warp the format until the next banning. If you just take out a chunk of each of the pillars, it can let some of the lower tier decks thrive again and not make them me like you need to have a plan to be Delver, obviously. It just it makes the format a lot better. Um, kind of yeah. like John was saying with modern, it it just gets miserable after a while when mm-hmm. you literally have to either play Delver or have a deck designed to beat Delver. Mm-hmm. So that said, I think, again, Gush just needs to go because foil with Gush is just absurd uh foil again is the yeah. two blue blue instant you may discard an island or another card and another card from your hand the, yeah. instead of paying its mana cost counter target spell what were we gonna say no i said it was it wasn't island or it was island island and, and yeah, yeah island and so basically you would your opponent would do something you would cast gush in response if you had the foil in your hand you're you're golden but you would gush return two islands to your hand draw two cards so then you discard an island and one of those cards you probably just drew, or you could discard both those islands and you counter a spell for free. It was a weird kind of way to get a pseudo uh, force of will, which that deck's already running a ton of counter spells as it is. That said, yep, yep. it's gross. Um, I want Gush gone. I wouldn't be surprised if Flicker went eventually, and also the Monarch mechanic as a whole, because it's great in multiplayer, downright awful in single player mm-hmm. or 1v1 i should say so, so yeah there's a reason why palace jailer is a very popular card in legacy now oh yeah absolutely that card is nuts <laughs> yeah. but yeah we were going to also look at maybe how other games handle card changes because another card game eternal just did a power balance which is yeah this one is so i haven't touched eternal as deep as i have in the past um but they just did a massive massive uh balance patch basically uh, cause they're also in the middle of their eternal championship qualifier series where basically you 
play in the client, then there's a 32-person single elimination, and then the winner gets qualified for their world championship at the end of the year. Uh, and they did a very, very large um, balance change. Um, the ones that are the easiest to make sense of uh, are the ones I'm going to talk about a little bit more than the others. Uh, the first thing is that uh, since Eternal is a best of one for all intents and purposes, aside from this the top 32 when you make the finals of whatever their weekend tournament is going to be, uh, Lifesteal, a.k.a. Lifelink, is very, very powerful. And so three of the cards they changed are there to either weaken or improve lifesteal or anti-lifesteal strategies. Um, because in a best of one, if I have a lifesteal threat or a lifelink threat and I'm hitting you a bunch and you have no way of interacting with it in any meaningful way, I'm going to run away with the game because I'm going to be at 52. You're going to be at 12. And there's no way that you can come back from that. Even if you just even if you deal with my lifelink threat, I can just play another big threat, and then you're still kind of hosed in that regard. So they did a couple changes there. They recently introduced Sites, uh, which is basically their kind of pseudo planeswalkers. And uh, the big the main site that was seeing play all over the place was Howling Peak. It saw a little bit of a nerf, a little bit of a pullback, uh, and then they've changed a lot of other cards to help. And be able to interact with sites more readily uh, because one of the first things they did when they introduced sites was they nerfed the two best burn spells so that they couldn't hit sites because they wanted these new cards to see play and see how they would interact with things and so when they saw that sites were maybe being a little bit too good they decided to pull back on the best site and then they took a bunch of other cards and they said okay we're going to make you better in this way we're going to make you better in this way and we're going to change you in this other way as an example, the card Levitate has had its second change in the past year. Uh, it first used to cost one with a single primal influence to give any unit flying. Uh, it then got changed to two mana and a single power influence. But now it is one in a power and can only be played or one in, the, one in a primal and can only be played on your units. So you can no longer play it on your opponent's units. You can only play it on yours to help you jump over blockers and hit an opposing site. Um... And then the other big change is they made um, is they changed a couple of the build arounds and they did a massive draft balance. Uh, but the big uh, change for build arounds is that there was a rec a recent change to one of the very popular cards in all of Eternal, which was Vara Fate Touched. She is a eight shadow 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 six six death touch unit that she used to say, um, or her most recent change was when it's whenever you play another shadow unit. You get to reanimate a shadow unit from your grave, from your from your void or your graveyard. Now they've made it so that whenever Vara comes into play, or you play another shadow unit, you get to reanimate a creature from your void. But now it gains the keyword void bound. Whereas if it goes back to the graveyard, it can never come back again. Because one of the most aggravating things prior to her previous her previous iteration was just being able to loop Varas over and over again and you could get wrathed you could get you know ruled or whatever it is and then they just play a Vara and then they just go back up and then they reassemble a board and then you're back in the same position you were in previously so and but again like eternal can do this because they these cards aren't printed on paper these cards aren't aren't ever really truly set in stone, and they have the freedom over at Direwolf Digital to mold mold them and f and fix them however they want to fit the their vision of the game. And even so, even, like, even just, Hearthstone recently had a big shakeup yeah. with their uh, thing, so they don't have banning and restrict 
restricting. They just be like, we're changing the card. Yeah. And like, it could be things like, you know, making a card one more expensive suddenly pushes it out of playability or making a card one more cheaper to maybe incentivize more people to play it. Like, there's an example. There's a card called Shard of the Spire. It used to cost four in a justice, and it basically said, you know, whenever your units come into play, they automatically have square stats equal to their highest stat. So if I play a 4-1, it becomes a 4-4. If I play a 1-4, it becomes a 4-4. Now they're costing it at three in a justice instead of four because it is a fun build around to try to build around. Yeah. Another card that they, they, they can use it they to push things is, that they're like, hey, this is actually something yeah. we thought was fun. We were testing it. We realized we costed it a little too far out of competitive level. Here, have fun. Yeah. And then another one was called Aaron Cradle, which is a card that is going to be close to Brian Kibler's heart. Used to be four and a fire primal for a uh, for a relic that whenever you cast your fifth spell, you make a 4-4 flying dragon. Now it costs three and a fire primal. So you can play it on turn three instead of playing it on turn four, which if you've been playing constructed in any card game like Eternal and Magic, you know that there's a huge difference from taking turn three off versus taking turn four off. Yeah, it's so it, it's definitely a yeah, it's interesting how they can handle it. It's great. Um, unfortunately, even with the advent of Magic Arena, the only way that Wizards would ever be able to do this digital kind of power balance is if they just stopped making paper, period, which is not going to happen anytime yeah. soon. So no. unlike their digital space competitors, which can tweak and power balance, Wizards really needs to get it right the first time, which is, I think, puts their R&D department on a higher, under a little bit more of pressure than the other R&D departments of these other digital products where they can realize, oh gosh, we accidentally printed something way too powerful. Let's just nerf it in the bud. Emergency-wise, they can do a quick change on something that might work like, the format. Like of cards in the recent past, you know, Sam Stoddard said at PAX, at PAX Prime a couple of years ago that if he could make Collected Company a sorcery, he would. You know, there's a lot of cards out there that you've been in standard that people have been like, I wish you could just change this. Like, Make Siege Rhino a 3-4. Like Rogue, Rogue make Refiner. Glory Bringer, make Glory Bringer a 4-3. Make Rogue Refiner, you know, not generate so much energy. Have Etherflux or have Etherworks Marvel cost 5 mana and 8 energy to spend. You know, there's a lot of ways that wizards could change, change how know, Looter Scooter functions. Exactly. They could have Smuggler's like, Copter. Oh my god, Looter Scooter. Why was it a 3-3? Three, three? Yeah, smug, Smuggler's Copter, any kind of power change on that card, like, would have made it fine maybe i think the best change on it would have been crew two or making it a three two but even we're getting, yeah we're getting in the weeds here but it's definitely a yeah. case just we i just wanted to bring that up as a way to show like these kind of like there's a reason why we wanted to talk about ban restricted list is because it's very you have to kind of subtly pluck a string you can't just go at it with a axe it, it's very much a symphony yeah. where if any one piece is off you suddenly get this discord but when everything is in place, and everything's in tune. It's a very beautiful heart. Like, like, and the good thing to look at is, like I said, legacy. Legacy right now seems in an okay place. So yep. that should just about do it. Yeah, we went a little bit longer than normal, but I felt like this was a good, good discussion to have. It's a worthwhile so. one, and we talk about it every so often. So every BNR season, we like to bring it up again. So it's not bad. Yep. Uh, so that should do it. Um, yeah, yeah. So Ian. If people wanted to find you on the social medias, where can they do so? You can so? find me on Twitter at Dixon IJ. That's D-I-X-O-N-I-J. 
And you guys can find me on Twitch at twitch.tv slash dicks. I know I keep saying I keep streaming more. And this is going to add nauseam, rinse, repeat. But I actually do need to play a lot more to practice for SCG Baltimore because can't let my team down. So, yeah. Uh, By the end of this week, beginning of next week, I have a four-day weekend. So I should be streaming a couple days of the weekend. I've got some family stuff I need to take care of the rest of the weekend. So look for a couple streams this weekend. Uh, I'm looking in the future to start going Monday, Wednesday, Thursday, or no, at least Monday, Thursday, Friday, and one of the weekend days. So because Tuesday we got to record, Wednesday's paper, Legacy, and then I'll probably stream the rest of the days. Jam hey. a lot of Legacy. Hope you like the format. We in this. John, where can they find you? You guys can find me on Twitter at jwiley129. That's J-W-I-L-E-Y-129. I'm also on Twitch at the same handle. If you see me floating around a chat room, do not hesitate to say hi. If you want to reach the podcast directly, you can do so one of two ways. You can hit us up on Twitter at Eyes and the Mize, or you can shoot us an email at Eyes and the Mize at gmail.com. We'd love to hear how we can best improve the podcast for you, our lovely listeners. And as a reminder, we are still accepting feedback for Ian's potential uh, Twitch chat. Episode yeah, I put I put that kind of I had to bump it to the right a little bit. So I, I will actually this month. The plan was this weekend on friday i'm going to actually make the thing where i'm going to be soliciting people's things you guys our little listeners got first crack at it but everyone out there will get in on this whole thing i got to figure out how i'm going to do a submission thing i'll probably do a google form be like hey if you're interested fill out the form i'll sift through it find people it'll be a thing uh look on my twitter Mm -hmm. for that friday or saturday beyond that thank you all so much for listening On behalf of Ian, I'm John. Thank you so much for listening, and we'll talk to you all next time.